Up and coming Chargers coach Frank Smith, the offensive line coach, is headed to Miami to be their new offensive coordinator, but the Chargers already might have a replacement in mind who has ties with offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi, and there's some big lessons to take away from the Super Bowl for the Chargers, including how the Bengals failed Joe Burrow. You are locked on Chargers. Your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer, and we have been covering the Chargers for over six seasons. This is our fifth as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team Every day, the only daily Chargers content you guys are going to be finding and all on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast from for free on all platforms. So make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those places as well as hit, you know, and also hitting us up at Dan Talk Sports for me on Twitter and Talk SD for David Drogmeyer. But David, a lot to get into on today's show news and not the good kind for the Chargers as Frank Smith a really up-and-coming coach who did a tremendous job for the Chargers with their offensive line, is going to Miami, and the Chargers have a big hole there from a guy who was really, really impressive. But we already know who could potentially be coming in to fill that role, and it's somebody that Joe Lombardi is very familiar with. And we'll talk about who is next for the Chargers with their offensive line coach. And we also wanted to get into our Super Bowl takeaways and lessons for the Chargers, including how important it is that they protect Justin Herbert like the Bengals failed to do for Joe Burrow in that game and how important that was. And we'll also talk about just the Rams going all in and getting it, the Chargers needing to go all in and bring in some more pass rushers and impact players on the defensive side. Because guess what, guys? Defense still wins championships, and we've seen the offensive line and defensive lines play huge factors in the last two Super Bowl winners at least. But, David, let's start here with some big news for the Chargers as they lose the, you know, a guy that was very well-regarded on this team, a guy that did a great job with the Oakland Raiders as their tight ends coach. Also had ties with, you know, the New Orleans Saints and being their assistant offensive line coach for a long time down in New Orleans and did a tremendous job this year for the Chargers in turning around one of the most unturnaroundable units in the league with where the bar was set from these previous regimes. And the Chargers had a lot of talent, but there's no doubt in my mind, David, that a big part of that was Frank Smith. And he just was so impressive so early on. And to take those guys that he did that with, even though they added a lot of talent to that position and get the results that they got in 2020, 2021, that was an impressive guy, a guy I think that hurts to lose. Yeah, I definitely think this is a big loss for the Chargers because you know, this offensive line, you know, no matter the type of moves that you make, it's all about chemistry. I mean, and I think that's, you know, really prevalent throughout many different sports. You look at basketball, you can look at the Lakers who, you know, tried to collect all of the best talent out there and Unfortunately, they're not really seeing the type of results that they're looking for because they haven't really found that chemistry. The Chargers, fortunately, I, I think they did find some chemistry on their offensive line this year. And I think a large part of that has to do with the guidance that they received. And I, I think you have to just look at some of the contributions he got out of players that you didn't really expect to get that from. So the, the Chargers offensive line went from a unit that was one of the worst in the NFL uh, to a very, very respectable unit. I think they honestly went from probably a bottom 
you know, 30 <laughs> offensive line to, you know, probably a top 10, 15 offensive line in the matter of one year. And so, and by bottom a, 30, you mean 30th or worse, not exactly you know, like all one, as in one of the worst in the right. league to at least respectable in the course of one season. Yeah, so I, I think the offensive, offensive line, line coach deserves some credit for that turnaround for sure. Huge credit. And Sean Serrett, you know, earns a lot of credit as well. And, I mean, we thought that he would potentially get promoted to the full-time, you know, offensive line coach. But Frank Smith was also the run game coordinator for the Chargers as well, which puts another kind of position up there for other teams to potentially, you know, other coaches to potentially take on for the Chargers going forward. You know, maybe they give it to one of these other guys that's been tried, you know, targeted by these teams to get poached to go to different coaching staffs. But I do think Frank Smith is a huge loss. I just think that, with you, what you were talking about in the chemistry and also just what we saw from the Chargers development-wise, like how yeah. quickly Rashawn Slater turned into an all-pro left tackle. Immediately. Slater had the goods. I mean, yeah, Slater yeah. had the goods. Don't get me wrong. And oh, being yeah. next to a Matt Filer, being next to a Corey Lindsley helps out a lot. Frank Smith has to get some of the credit. You know what I mean? Like, he, he did a lot of that. I mean, as far as getting him up to date with what the Chargers wanted to do with their offensive line, because that can change from place to place, especially from college to pros. Well, yeah, he had all the ability, but he still had to learn a completely new offense with completely new concepts, and he had to learn that in the matter of a few months. And he earned, he learned it, and he went out there and executed at one of the highest levels we've ever seen at a char- in a Chargers offensive line. Well, and I mean, the thing is, is there's not a single Chargers offensive lineman this year that played 50% or more snaps for them last year, right? I mean, that's the crazy thing. Rashawn Slater, Smart brand up. new. Matt Filer, brand new. Corey Lindsley, brand, brand new. new. Odea Bushi, right, brand they brought new. in. Michael Schofield didn't play for the team in 2020, you know. So this was something that was a real reclamation project that he took over and it ended up turning into a really good unit. And, you know, I think something that helped the Chargers kind of unlock a big part of that top five offense and he was still oh, yeah. dealing with a lot too, right? I mean, Storm Norton wasn't great for a lot of the season. Michael Schofield had his bad days. You had Senio Calamente out there yeah. for a moment. But like, I think this also just shows you this offseason specifically how hard other teams are going to try to come for the Chargers offensive coaching staff, especially under a defensive head coach in Brandon Staley. And because you have a top five offensive unit. So we've seen Joe Lombardi did try to get poached. You know, one of the guys that was in line to potentially get the Houston Texans coaching job. You have Kevin Coker almost going to Denver to be their offensive coordinator. And now you see Frank Smith going from offensive line coach and run game coordinator to getting a big promotion up to being the Dolphins offensive coordinator. And I think that's a problem to have, man. And it's a testimony to what the, you know, the coaching staff that Brandon Staley put together. And I think it's one of those things that's going to continue. I mean, as long as the Chargers are doing well on offense and as long as they have Justin Herbert, you expect them to be be doing doing things. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think uh, this is definitely a shining light of of what the Chargers offensive unit has done and has done for these this coaching staff, too. I mean, a lot of high profile offensive weapons on this Chargers team that had some of their best seasons uh, of their careers. Guys like, you know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen still providing really good production. Austin Eckler with 20 touchdowns. Uh, the Chargers having an efficient running game, having one of the best passing offenses in the NFL. Uh, I mean, I think all of that with a brand new offense, uh, you have to give some credit to the players, of course, but you also got to give some some credit to the coaching the coaching staff who kind of guided all of that talent in the right direction, guided that talent into a top five, very, very exciting and very dominant offense for the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, it's surprising that Shane Day didn't get a lot more looks than he did, you know, during yeah. this last cycle. I mean, that part's a little bit surprising because, I mean, the Chargers tight end coach and their offensive line coach 
are getting huge promotions to. Well, look what it did for Pep Hamilton, too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Pep Hamilton, I mean, he still didn't really get the shine we thought he would, right? Coming off of what he was able to do with Justin Herbert. Now he's the offensive coordinator for the Texans, which is probably one year too late, considering how impressive his performance was with Justin Herbert. And Herbert gets a lot of the credit, too. But the crazy thing is, David, is the news never comes out in good times for us, but there is already a rumor about who will take that position over for the Chargers, a name I wasn't super familiar with, admittedly, but a guy that has ties to the Chargers coaching staff because Gilbert Manzano from the OC Register put on Twitter, hearing Chargers are looking to hire Brendan Nugent as their offensive line coach per source. Nugent had that role with the Saints last year, and this is a guy... Obviously, very familiar with Joe Lombardi, very familiar with the offense the Chargers are trying to run and the concepts that they're going to be trying to run for the most part. So this is something, David, where it's hard to judge him based on last season because the Saints were so injured that you can't really get a firm grasp on it. But a guy that's been working with the Saints since 2015 has been working with the offensive line since 2016, which has continued to put out, you know, been a factory for Pro Bowl offensive linemen like Teron Armstead, like a Ryan Ramchick, like a Larry Warford. Right. Andres P two pro pro bowls already in his career. So like that is a place where it's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with potentially poaching some of the there, even, you know, especially more with the familiarity that you think you would have. Yeah. You're always looking at those relationships uh, with coaching staffs in the NFL. It's always guys that are going to be, you know, coming from someone that you're familiar with and someone that you've worked with in the past, those relationships, you never know when they're going to manifest themselves into other opportunities later on in their career. And this is another example here for Nugent, having worked with Joe Lombardi, who is obviously the Chargers offensive coordinator. You always want that familiarity. You want somebody who knows the the offensive concepts, which are a major part of this Chargers offense uh, that we know, obviously. And I I think, yes, you you look at the Saints offensive line last year, you look at the numbers and you say, oh, you know, that really wasn't that impressive. But I think some context here from PFF is definitely necessary. The Saints have had relatively settled uh, offensive line personnel, um, but they were forced to use 13 different offensive linemen last season with nine of them playing at least 133 snaps. So they did not have a lot of continuity. And, you know, like we talked about before, chemistry is very important. And it's really hard to establish chemistry when you don't have the same guys going out there playing next to each other, snap in and snap out. Yeah, and I mean, before that, their line was always pretty good. Besides just yeah. the Pro Bowlers, I mean, 2020 top 10 in pass and run block win rate. 2019, three Pro Bowlers that I mentioned. 2020, they were also fourth in run blocking and 12th in adjusted sacks given up. So, I mean, it is a respectable unit, and he was very close with Dane Campbell, who was yeah. the offensive line coach before he took in on the Detroit Lions head coaching job. But I think what makes you feel really good about it is knowing that when Joe Brady former New Orleans Saints coach, went to the Carolina Panthers to be their offensive coordinator. He wanted to bring along this guy, I mean, that worked with him in New Orleans, right? So he wanted to see a familiar face over there. And they blocked Brendan Nugent from actually going over there and trying to be their offensive line coach. So they were trying to keep him in the building for sure. We'll probably get Ross Jackson, you know, get his thoughts on it from Locked on Saints to hear how we should kind of feel about this if it goes down, because it just is a rumor at this point. But connect the dots. It seems like a pretty vivid picture of this guy, the Chargers wanting him and having him make a lot of sense with Sean Payton leaving as well. Right. And that could have a lot to do with it and how that decided, you know, maybe he gets a promotion. So maybe they can't block it because now he could be the you know run game coordinator. So it's technically a promotion because you can't go laterally. You can't go offensive right. line coach to offensive line coach without the team at least having a chance to block it. And the Chargers wanted Kevin O'Connell last year from the Rams to be their offensive coordinator. Blocked. They, you know, they nixed that really quick and now he's the yeah. Vikings head coach. But Brandon Staley, I think, does deserve credit for this staff that he's put together. I'm excited to see 
who they bring in to fill that spot because that dude was doing a lot development wise too. Trey Pipkins, you know, Scott Questenberry looked decent. Yeah. Michael Schofield looked pretty decent, like working some magic for sure in the Chargers offensive line. And that is something that let the Bengals down on the biggest stage and throughout the postseason, even though they were able to win a lot of games, not being able to protect Joe Burrow. It definitely came up, you know, back to bite them in the ass in the biggest game of the year and on the final play of the biggest game with a chance to win the Super Bowl. It came back to bite them. So we're going to get into that and other Super Bowl lessons coming up after this. But I did have a ton of fun betting with the official betting sponsor of the Locked on Chargers podcast, betonline.net for the big game. I had so much money running around with betonline.net. So many great prop bets to pick from. I mean, so much good stuff. I betonline.net always. And now that football season's over, it's okay, guys, because they're still your home from all college and pro basketball. You have the NHL still going on. You have UFC fights. You have baseball when it comes back. Even right to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline.net is the place to go. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs, and they remain the best spot for all the sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Head to the website today, and you guys can use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action going on in the sporting worlds, and you always want to make sure you're doing it with the best place to place all of your bets, and that is BetOnline. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, David, well, something we've been kind of doing throughout the postseason is kind of trying to take away lessons for the Chargers from these games and familiar teams to them, right, and how the Chargers can kind of use that going forward because that's obviously the goal is the Chargers, I don't think, are out of the realm of being Super Bowl contenders in 2022, right? (laughs) So David's going to show off his wedding ring for those in the podcast listening audience. David's doing some visual medium stuff, but that's the whole goal, right? You're always trying to to get to that. Trying to get those rings, And I think there's been very poignant things that the Chargers can take away from what's doomed teams and also what's made teams get into the big dance and potentially win the Super Bowl, right? Exactly. With the moves that we saw. And I think it starts with seeing what happened to Joe Burrow in that final game. I mean, looking at the final play of the game, getting taken down. I mean, it wasn't a sack, but it was almost just as good as a sack on fourth and one with the game on the line. Aaron Donald wraps up Joe Burrow. He throws it wildly. It's incomplete and the game's over. And, you know, Aaron Donald wins his team a championship. And it wasn't just that one, right? It was seven sacks before seven. that, right? And in the Tennessee game, there was nine sacks in that game, and it was a miracle. They did, you know, they I found and a the way to win that 51 game. Fifty-one sacks that the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line gave up during the 2021 season as well. This was not just something that we saw in the playoffs. This is something that we saw from the Bengals not only this year, but we saw it last year when it really got Joe Burrow hurt. Joe Burrow tears his ACL. He's out for half the season, comes back here. The Bengals, they get obviously they take a, a non-offensive lineman, and Joe Burrow gets his, you know, gets his butt whooped pretty much all season long. He performed extremely well when, you know, given that chaos, but imagine how much better he would have performed if he didn't get sacked 50 plus times. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to imagine it would be pretty good, and it's pretty obvious for the Bengals what they have to do to try to get back to that mountaintop, right, is there's a very clear thing that has to be changed on that team, and it's offensive line being the biggest weakness. And I don't know if Panay Sewell fixes that by himself. He doesn't. And the thing is, is you're probably not there if you don't have Jamar Chase who put together, you know, the most historic season we've seen from a wide receiver. Definitely. But, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about just, I mean, I think Burrow was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL by a long shot. In the NFL postseason, I think Ashiel Kapadia put out, he was the most sacked quarterback of any postseason. He was sacked 19 times, most in the last 20 seasons. And he said the next closest for any quarterback that, you know, that 
got sacked in the, the postseason was 12. <laughs> so that's a seven sack difference. Like historically yeah. bad offensive line play. And I, I mean, you'd even think back, David, to guys like Andrew Luck, right? Yeah. Early retirement. I mean, that offensive he got line annihilated. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely and and over years, you know, yeah. it was a consistent problem for them. Yeah, David about- Carr. An- oh, that's yeah. another example. That guy got <laughs> absolutely destroyed in Houston. It was yeah. ugly because they could not Russell Wilson. protect anyone. I mean, you, you think that doesn't have to do anything to do with Russell Wilson Hell kind of yeah, being over does. Seattle? You know what I mean? So, like, it was important. I think the Chargers get credit. I mean, the Chargers do get credit for what they were able to do, putting way more talent on the offensive line in 2021 than they had Took in the you long years enough. Private. That's the thing. It's like you get credit for it, but, like, it's not like it was a new problem that they just fixed immediately. It was a decade-old no. problem that got fixed for the first time under general manager Tom Tuesco. So that's why just, it's like you can't really like get think about Philip Rivers is just like rolling over over yeah. there in Alabama, coaching his team. Like, are you kidding me? It took you this long to figure out that you need to invest in the offensive line. Like, how is this possible? How did it take you this long to put a, a serviceable offensive line? It's like, what could the what could Philip Rivers have done with that type of offensive line? That I think that's what's so frustrating for you know someone like me who's been a Charger fan for you know twenty five plus years. Well, and I mean, we can't have revisionist history either, just because right. it's like the Chargers did a lot of the things they had done in the past. They just happened to work this year, right? Because sure. the aging free agents hadn't worked in years past. The right. Brian Bulaga contract didn't work out. Orlando Franklin, King Dunlap was actually fine. Russell Okung was good for one year, but it's hard to say overall that that ended up being, well, you trade for Trey Turner. That doesn't work out as well. You tried all the draft picks that we've talked about many times. The draft wasn't working. So they just had not been able to find healthy and talented offensive linemen for a long time. I mean, the Dan Feeney, Forrest Lamp, Sam Tebby situation put together one of the worst offensive lines we've ever seen for the Chargers. And they hit on all those, right? They hit on Matt Byler. They yeah. hit on Corey Lindsley, and I think they went after a different level of free agent and put different Definitely. kinds of research, you know, resources into that this year. I mean, you, the three biggest things the Chargers did, the three biggest pieces of offseason capital that they had went to the offensive line. The second biggest yeah. contract that they gave out was Matt Filer. The first biggest mm-hmm. is Corey Lindsley. Their very yep. first draft pick is Rashawn Slater. Like, that's how you fix things Definitely. by pouring resources into it. And that's, you know, what these good teams have done. And I With think a that's a concentrated focus on it. One, I think the other thing, David, is it just means like you can't be done and you can't be content if you were the Chargers yeah. one good season from the offensive line, which still showed the depth issues, right? Because it was a lot better, but we still saw that there was, you know, a couple really weak spots that could derail a game at any time. So I think that's another lesson for the Chargers, too, is just like don't be content with what you had. Keep adding to that unit. Keep investing resources there. Yeah, absolutely. And you already uh, people who have been listening to this show, they know my philosophy. They know I want the Chargers to to continue to invest in the spine of their team, that offensive line. You saw the giant dividend. And I mean, that can't be understated. Absolutely giant dividends that it paid in year one of those of that investment in the offensive line, but also shows you that it's not done. It's not over with you. There's still more work that needs to be done. That right guard position, that right tackle position, that still needs to be shored up. And if you're able to mirror the production from the left side on the right side, you have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. There's definitely potential there to get better. The Chargers have the ability to make that happen. Now it's about making the right moves, 
to in order to make sure that that does happen. Yeah, and I mean, we can say whatever we want about the Chargers offensive line. Obviously, the defense took a huge step back, and defense is very finicky from year to year. It's very hard to replicate a great defense yeah. for a lot of teams and just historically, and that took a major step backwards in year one under Brandon Staley. But the offense was so good, right? And I think yeah. it was like a big part of that was the offensive line. And a big part of that was Justin Herbert and his greatness in, in protecting him, right? Because he was also one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the league in 2021. And, and his pocket presence is really, really good, too, and something that's gotten a lot better over time. But, like, I mean, when you're seeing Joe Burrow go down holding his knee yeah. in the Super Bowl, right? Like, if that's not, you know, the thing that's blinking the flashing lights yeah. at you and, you know, Maybe James Rapine and them locked on Bengals would disagree as far as that. But like, I would have to assume the offseason day one show just is just like to death. Oh, yeah. for sure. And I'm sure it does. Right. I mean, you see him go down with a season ending injury. You almost see him go down with a Super Bowl ending injury. That's, you know, impossible to recover from and completely avoidable, potentially just by upgrading the unit in front of them. And I think it's hard. It's going to be hard. They have some OK pieces with that offensive sure. line. Maybe it's not a total rebuild, but. There were some very, very weak spots, and as we've learned with the Chargers, many attempts to try to rebuild the offensive line. It, it's going to be really tough to do in one off season, right? It doesn't always come yeah. together, and even the Chargers, with much more talented, the top line talent, right? Yeah, still had depth problems, right? Definitely. Still were in trouble when you had guys go out with COVID, you know, and had to put in like a Senio Calamete. Still had problems with Brian Bulaga, who you know going into the season was a huge injury risk, right. and you had Storm Norton, who. I think you got more out of him than maybe you should have as a former XFL player with no Definitely. real exposure to the NFL. Still yes. not good enough, right? So building that depth is the next thing for the Chargers. But on the flip side of that, David, like you're talking about, these teams brought in the pass rushers to get that job done. Yes. I mean, the, the Titans obviously have pass rushers too. Maybe the Chiefs didn't have enough pass rushers in that game outside of Chris Jones, you know? I mean, even Melvin Ingram kind of went off in that game too and was a scary man. But the point is, though, is it's not just having a – better offensive line it's being able to get after the quarterback more because of yeah. how much of an impact that can have in a big game such as this and i think that's another thing the charge can take away is adding more to the defensive line because we saw some really talented defensive linemen and adding some more edge rushers two things that they will very much be able to do in 2022 if they want to and we're going to get into that but i do have to tell you guys that the only place you should be getting any kind of auto parts is at rockauto.com with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain store to keep up with everything that you need. And why would you want to go in there just to go up to the counter, see that guy that seems very annoyed to be there behind the counter, and have him try to look up the part that you don't even really know what it's called? You have to walk back out to your car, go into the manual of your car, start looking things up just to go back in and tell him you don't know. Skip all of that, right? Go to rockauto.com where you're going to find the easiest process to get the parts that you need. When you're dealing with car trouble, you don't want to have to deal with more stress more headaches. You don't get that with rockauto.com because when you go to the website, you can just type in the type of car you have and a few easy clicks, you can find the part that you need and you're going to get a great price because if you go to the chain store, right, they're going to just give you the parts that come from the warehouse that they want to. You're not necessarily always getting the best price. Why spend 20, 30, 50% more when you can save money with rockauto.com who has been helping you do it yourselfers as a family business for over 20 years, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, whatever you need, you can find it at rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we helped you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, David, let's get back to our Super Bowl takeaways here because it's something we've been doing throughout the playoffs. And I think, you know, the Chargers definitely have some lessons they could learn 
from the Super Bowl. And I mean, one of the things we just talked about was adding more pass rushers because the Chargers have a great one in Joey Bosa. They have another one in Uchen Nwosu who was really, really coming on through the, you know, the end of the season, especially really fitting yeah. in with Brandon Staley's defense. But overall, it was an underwhelming pass rush considering you have Joey Bosa. Like if you have Joey Bosa, that's a huge step up that you have over a lot of other teams. And you just didn't get enough out of the rest of those guys, whether it's the defensive tackles, you don't have an Aaron Donald, right? And you definitely don't have a Leonard Floyd to LA's Von Miller, you know, or something like that. So I think that is another place where you look at it and how important it was for the Rams, especially in deciding that game on Sunday and keeping the Bengals kind of locked down and keeping the Bengals in check when the Rams offense was really struggling. They needed that defense and they needed those defensive players on that line to come through. Well, that's why you go out there and, and you and you get a Von Miller. That's why you go out there and get a guy who is is his whole career was predicated on terrorizing quarterbacks in big moments. And he did that again in the Super Bowl. He made impact plays. Um, and you know, that's what it takes. It, it's not just gonna be one guy. And you understand the you know what it takes to help free up free those guys up to get those guys more one-on-one opportunities. I mean, if everyone knows it's just hey, eliminate Joey Bosa and just don't double team him and chip him and get him out of the way that they don't have anyone else. The chargers are not going to be able to threaten us with anybody else. Then it, it's a lot easier to game plan for. And, you know, credit to Uchenna for, you know, turning things on and really kind of sinking, sinking in and really understanding and, and really performing a lot better towards the end of the season. But that wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. It had, it had to be that from the beginning of the season that had to be spread out through the entire year. The Chargers didn't get enough. They didn't get enough from Jerry Tillery. They didn't get enough from anyone else not named Joey Bosa. And frankly, they probably didn't get enough from Joey Bosa either. Just because the amount of money they're paying him, you, you, you're you expecting probably more sack numbers, honestly. I know that might be a little controversial, and I love Joey. Don't get me wrong, okay? But he needs more help. He needs more help, okay? The Chargers don't have enough pass rushers. They need to add more. Well, I think the part where you go wrong in blaming Joey Bosa is not realizing how much it helps to have other dudes like that with you and how much, you know, a guy like Melvin Ingram helped him in the past. Oh, yeah. Joey Bosa, you know, easily a top 10 edge rusher in the league, probably a top five edge rusher in the league as far as as overall play. I mean, people were complaining about his run stopping right this year, and he was in the top 10 of run block, you know, win rate as far as getting past run blockers. So, like, Joey Bosa is – by far and away the least of the Chargers' worries on that defensive line. But even the best bass rushers can't get it themselves, right? The Rams weren't a good defense just because they had Aaron Donald. They're a much better defense when you get a guy like Leonard Floyd and you add a Von Miller. Well, and it's not even just the bass rushers. They're just going to the defensive line part of things. Like Ashawn Robinson had a huge game, right? Like, you know, they have guys like Sebastian Joseph Dane that's come through them for the past who's going to be a free agent. And they get a run stop on third and one in the Super Bowl that sets up the fourth and one play where you end up winning the game. So, like, I don't think there's anything else that you could take away from that if you're the Chargers other than, hey, we need to get more of these type of impact players. You go back a season ago. What was the storyline in that game? The Chiefs offensive line couldn't hold up and the Buccaneers really talented defensive front with Shaquille Barrett and JPP and and all those dudes and Vita Vea and and Dominican Sue. Like, All those dudes were just absolutely tearing them up. And it ended up, I mean, the Chiefs offense looked totally different, right? It looked different than they had all season. And then the Chiefs reacted to that by going and totally replacing their entire offensive line with Keith Humphrey and bringing in Joe Thune, trading for Orlando Brown Jr. Like they Mm -hmm. saw how big of a a, a deal that was, right? And I think they missed out this year by not having enough talent on that defensive line other than Chris Jones, right? So like, 
I think that's a huge lesson for the Chargers. And also another thing to take away is just that the Rams bringing in those pieces after everyone talked about it, right? They still end up winning the whole thing. The going all in definitely rewarded them. And, you know, you just have to hope that that is something that Tom Telesco thinks about, you know, which he probably won't. I'm not here to say it's going to change his mind, but (laughs) it should open your eyes to like, hey, I shouldn't be holding on to my draft picks as much as, you know, I am right now. Yeah. And Von Miller is a second and a third round pick, right? It's not even a first round pick. You right. got the quarterback. Your quarterback wasn't good enough. You, Jared Goff wasn't good enough to win a Super Bowl. They went out and they found the quarterback. Yeah. They didn't feel like their defense was good enough or getting a good enough pass rush. They went out and got a Von Miller. They yeah. had really good receivers with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. They still brought in OBJ, even at a position of strength. Bucks did the same thing with Antonio Brown and all the guys they brought in, bringing in Gronk, even though they had yeah. OG Howard and Cameron Brait. We see it over and over again. Hopefully yeah. that opens up some eyes. The embarrassment of riches, just the, you know, the almost like seems like they have too much talent, but that really helps you when inevitably in football, you see the injuries, they pop up. They happen all look the at time. Odell Beckham Jr. Like even with everything they added, he leaves and they're still struggling offensively, right? Like, well, yeah, but I mean, also Robert Woods got, got hurt before that for the Rams. And then, you know, you see. Well, the no, he was healthy when OBJ was there. Like when they brought in OBJ, Robert Woods was yeah. still healthy. He got hurt no, right after no, that. I, no, I know that what I'm saying is, though, is that, you know, Robert Woods goes down and then you have OBJ there to help replace right. some of that production. Right. And, you know, that's why having just an you know, incredible amount of talent. It might seem like overkill, but it, it never turns out to be that way. I mean, you add all of that talent and then it, it actually comes out to help you in the long run because which is easier said than done to adding all that talent, you know, of, what I course, mean? Like, of yeah. course, but you have to be aggressive enough in your approach to say, Hey, if I want to go win a championship, then I need to do what it takes to make that happen. I need to go spend the money. I need to go make the the trade. I need to go take a risk. I need to do something other than what I've been doing because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, Tom Telesco, what you've done has not worked. So let's change the approach. Let's get a little more aggressive. Let's, you know, uh, let's try something different and let's see if that, if that works and let's see if that gets the chargers past, you know, that finish line and into the promised land. Yeah, and I mean, whether you look at either team, because we're talking about the Rams, but it's easy to forget in the last couple of years that the Bengals have brought in DJ Reader, right? They traded for BJ Hill this year, who was phenomenal for them. They brought in Trey Hendrickson, who is one of the most underrated pass rushers in the league, right? They brought in a bunch of corners. They brought in a bunch of pieces. Like, they were aggressive in filling out the spots. And I saw Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers, Locked On Now. He was talking about, yeah, I mean, you can't always build teams by bringing in all those guys that still the best players on the field were Aaron Donald and Cooper Crap, two guys you drafted. But the Chargers have those guys in place. They have a Justin Herbert. They have a King Nown who they've drafted. They have a Mike Williams who they've drafted. They have a Joey Bosa and a Derwin James that they've drafted. Adding to that, though, finding proven commodities, willing to, you know, bring in the right guys in free agency that can make an instant impact. That's all the things the Chargers have to do. That's the recipe, David, to get into the Super Bowl, at least to be a contender for it, because Defense is important, even if you watch the Buffalo Bills and Chiefs game, right? You still have to add to the defense. And having as many offensive weapons as possible, like, that's what it takes now. You have to be overloaded. I mean, the Bengals, even with the offensive line, still had Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase as, like, the top receiving trio in the league. So, like, yeah. all these teams have, you know, overloaded positions. And, I mean, the one thing that we know the Chargers do have is the quarterback. They don't have to trade for a Matthew Stafford because they have that. But you would like to see them be more willing to go for the guys who are more proven commodities, go for younger players in free agency that could potentially help you for years to come and more, you know, can't miss prospects instead of just betting on older dudes. 
Well, I think it just comes down to this, Daniel. You, you know that you have your quarterback in place. Obviously, Justin Herbert is awesome. He's all world. Yeah. But at every other position, no matter what it looks like, it's not enough. I mean, I think that should just be the mentality. No matter what position you look at on your football team, you need more of it. You need more corners. You need more running backs. You need more receivers. You need more offensive linemen. You need more defensive linemen. You just need more. Of course. I mean, that, I mean, it, it's funny because, like, when you say it like that, it seems, like, obvious just because it's like, yeah. yeah, of course, you always need to find as many talented players as possible, and you have to do it with the restrictions of the salary cap, and you have sure. to hit on your draft picks, all those things. The goal is always yeah. to bring in the most talent that you can. The yeah. one thing that those teams also had, though, was a great foundation where they yes. were already adding two positions of strength. They yes. had the positions of strength and then added to them. They had the exactly. solid rosters and weren't content with the solid rosters and added to those really, really good rosters. And that's, I think, something that we've seen. And the Bengals did enough to where they added a lot of talent to positions of strength, right? They had drafted yeah. a Jamar Chase when they already had a Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. But it's still the kryptonite of the offensive line that ends up losing them the game. Definitely. And even that's a coin toss, right? I mean, the Bengals okay. are right there to win the game, too. That is how the game ends. If you feel like they had a better offensive line, they would have won the game. Right. And instead, it's the Chargers cross town rivals, you know, and I think that is, you know, for Tom Telesco, Brain Staley, the Chargers, it's like, I don't think the fight for LA is a real thing, really, you know, but at the same time, it's like, obviously, if the team you're playing with is winning Super Bowls, it's not fun. Right. And, and you want that to be you. And that has to be coming up right now. I don't care how much, you know, Tom Telesco doesn't care about Super Bowl windows and doesn't care about Justin Herbert's rookie contract. I don't care. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, this is care it. about a Super Bowl championship. How about that? When you didn't do enough to put a roster around Justin Herbert, who was an elite quarterback, borderline MVP type of player in 2021. And you didn't make the playoffs because you yeah. didn't do enough on the defensive exactly. line, you know, and on the defense, like you couldn't put together enough on that side of the ball to have a competitive team. When you have Justin Herbert trying to drag around a, you know, 28th ranked special teams unit and a 29th ranked scoring defense. Like, yeah, you didn't do good enough. It has to change, and it has to change this year, and it has to come with big changes to me because I just don't think you can sit on, you know, rest on your laurels and just hope that the development of these players is going to be enough to take you to the next level. Well, just imagine that type of performance from the offense, a, a top five score, you know, top five offense out there that's just incredibly lethal with even a halfway decent defense or <laughs> a middle, let's just call it a middle, you know, a 15th ranked defense, even a 15th ranked special teams unit. You're probably looking at a, a playoff team that's a, a, that's very very dangerous in that situation because that you're not putting all of that heavy weight on Justin Herbert's shoulders. He doesn't have to bail you out of every single you know negative situation you're in. He doesn't have to go out there and be perfect. He doesn't have to play perfect football to to win football games for you. That should not be how it is. He's that good and he can do that for you and he's done that for you. But it shouldn't be that way. It can't be that way if the Chargers want to win championships going forward. Well, and the thing is, like, the Chargers have a good chance. Like, with all these things that we're saying, like, we don't feel like it's impossible for this team to be approaching, you know, a top 15 defense in 2022. I don't think that's very far out of their grasp. But I will say that, like, you can say it was Brandon Staley and his defensive genius that was the problem. And, you know, Tom Telesco can come out and say, you know, the scheme took a little longer than he thought it would. But at the same time, the only place that Brandon Staley has never found success on the defensive side of the ball was this season with the Chargers. Because every other place he's been, his unit has flourished, his defense has flourished. And yeah. then he comes to the Chargers with this, you know, roster construction and this personnel with Joey Bosa and Derwin James. And you're one of the worst defenses in the league. I mean, it just... It wasn't enough for the Chargers, and I think that's pretty clear now that you look back on the season. But it is still exciting because you know 
just like the Bengals, just like the Rams. I mean, maybe you are a couple of pieces away from at least giving yourself a chance, right? We already know you can hang with the big dogs, right? What you need to know is can you be consistent in always playing up to those teams' level? Can you beat the teams like the Chiefs and the Bengals more consistently? Can you not look bad against the good defenses like the you know the Patriots and the Ravens, right? So, like, maybe those teams, you know, those players that you bring in don't take you over the top, but maybe it gets you more consistent because we did see a lot of these, you know, the Chargers Pastors was good at times. Their run defense in primetime games, they give up, like, less than 70 yards per game. You know what I mean? Like, in primetime games. So, they had really really good performances too maybe that's what brings you that consistency even if it's not one player that's going to take you over the top make you a super bowl favorite you know but that's why these conversations are so fun because you see teams going for it and doing it and what that can do for your organization because the chargers have zero david and it's always wise to learn from the teams that are and have went to where the chargers want to go the chargers want to win a super bowl championship The Rams did it. The Bengals were in the show with an opportunity to do it. That's why it's always wise to learn from those who have been where you want to go. And the other encouraging thing is Tom Tawesco really did a great job last offseason with what he did bring in. It wasn't enough. Maybe there was just too many holes to fill. Yeah. He still did a really good job with the guys he brought in. A really huge hit rate on those dudes, right? One of his best free agent classes of all time. Definitely. All those dudes ended up working out for the Chargers, at least to this point, right? I mean, Corey Lindsay still has four years left, still a couple years left with Matt Filer and those guys. But, like, noticeably better. The draft class was noticeably better from what we saw. So, I mean, those are the reasons to be excited because you feel like if they can replicate that, do that on the defensive side of the ball. Do that with their draft picks this year where you're feeling good about your top three picks instead of just your top one pick like it has been in certain drafts in the past. You're right there in the conversation, baby, and we're talking about the Chargers being a Super Bowl contender going into 2022, and that's why it's so exciting, and that's why everyone freaked out saying this is an exciting team. As long as Justin Herbert's there, I mean, this team's going to have juice. This team has electricity all around it, depending on what you think of the, you know, I mean, no matter what you think of the Chargers fan base, like there is excitement. There is an energy around this team that something special is on the horizon and you just have to see them take advantage of it. And that's why it's so cool that we get to be here with you guys for that journey. Right. And we'll be right here to yell with you guys if it doesn't work out too. Right. And to, to second guess all the general manager signings and things like that too. But that's just to say that we really enjoy being here with you guys and I appreciate you checking out all of this off season content. And we're doing an extra long show today because we might not be back on here tomorrow, but if we're not, we will be back with you guys on Thursday and every day throughout the off season. The off season is long. We're doing our best to find the best things to talk about every single day. We're not doing, you know, filler lists and things like that. Always trying to bring you the freshest content and always appreciate your guys' support. But to make sure you never miss a show, go subscribe on the new Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. And if you like the show, make sure to go rate and review wherever you listen to it. It does make a difference. It makes a big difference to us. We really appreciate that. But you can also find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogmeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD as well as the show's Twitter at LockedOnLAC. Probably we'll do some more Fan Mail Friday this week. If you guys want to get your questions in, you can tag us on Twitter. You can also call into the voicemail line at 323-524-7924. Love you guys getting involved in the show and bringing us some really good content so me and David don't have to pretend to get on the voicemail line and come up with fake accents and weird backstories to call in and give charges questions. Or will we? Maybe. We'll see. But thank you guys again for checking it out. We will be back with you guys soon. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.